the UFC on Fox. Whoever's running the Facebook is just insulting us, which means it's time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting way easier from outside the cage, though you're just as likely to be one of the fucking top 25 greatest fights ever named by FS1. Uh, I am your host, Kevin. With me, of course, Raph Esparza. Raph, how are you doing this evening? I'm good. You're a little too amped. Too You're hot. supposed to be the one that comes in at a normal, even keel, and then I'm supposed to Tasmanian Devil. That's just kind of the dynamic we've developed over this time. So when I have to be the sane one and I talk second, I feel like we're not smoothing in our audience to their normal, like, ah, oh, the rhythm of verbal tap. Oh, Kevin sounds normal stoned. All right. Mm-hmm. Now Raph's up. He sounds normal angry. All right. Mm-hmm. Next. Hey, next. <laughs> What's Raph worked up about this week? Is it, is it St. Patrick's Day? Probably. <laughs> we didn't even. You and I. He's oh got my a tight five on green, I'm sure. <laughs> John Oliver did the early news. Like, news broadcasters can't be trusted with St. Patrick's Day. Just feels like no one can. Just don't do it. <laughs> Just go drink. Just do it privately. Like, and not everything has to be a public event. Do it in shame like our ancestors did for a really long time. Oh, Irish people and just everybody else. I don't know. Number well, one on the yes, list please tell is them Nate that- Diaz versus Conor McGregor 2. And now I love this. This is the first work of genius on the list. Because number two is McGregor versus Diaz 1. So it was as though FS1 and 25 were like, you know what's stupid? When a fight gets finished in finality and shock. But not so stupid. It's not the third or fourth best fight ever. It's the first best fight. <laughs> why why is Kevin? Are those not the two greatest UFC fights of all time? No, not in, and definitely not in that order. Am I crazy or wasn't Diaz versus McGregor one? And by the way, how pissed is Diaz that it's McGregor versus Diaz and not the other way around? Why is Diaz versus McGregor two? <laughs> Why is that a I just number? I need to ask you a question. Why are you asking me this? As if I have some sort of can I like, can I throw a theory? They got confused what? because they also put one and two after the fights, and were like, "Shit, which was it? Who was the finish?" And the asshole in the office was like, "It was the second one." That's when he choked him out shockingly. It's like, all right. And it's the stupidest thing they've done since the third best fight in history. One, one second. Hold on. <laughs> Just let me. Let, I, I think I have someone here who can explain the difference between the two. Do, no do you mind coming in on this? I know it's. I know you really don't feel like you want to talk about it, but it'd just be. Okay. Kev, um, we should welcome a friend of the show on the show. Yeah. Yeah, I th- he's he just wants to make it a very short thing. You know, he's not into like <laughs> large things. He's like the dude. He likes to keep things a breeze. <laughs> sure. So. Sounds great. Here we go. Okay. All right, just come on, dude. Okay. Mike's hot. So. Yeah, what's up, motherfuckers? Um uh this is Nate and uh yeah, this fucking list is bullshit, man. Thank you. Uh, and do you mind explaining why? Yeah, okay, so here's this thing. First of all, I choke this fucking little Irish midget out. And I'm like, <laughs> yo, dog, I should be number one on every list. And Correct. they put me as number two in a fight that I did win as well. So, like, motherfucker, I won fights one and two. So, like, I'm the greatest of all time. But you know why they put those on there? Why? Because they're fucking sucking his dick, yo. Yeah, I, I honestly was shocked 
the first best wasn't him versus Mayweather, just to piss you off. I also thought these were both direct shots at you, Nate. That was my first thought. Wait, did I fight Mayweather? No, no, no. He did. He uh, oh. uh, McGregor fought him. Shit, dog. Sometimes I get so high, I don't know who I fought anymore. Like, you can go down, like, my IMDb page. Wait, I'm a fighter, so it's not IMDb. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. fighter IMDb, whatever. I think you were in an episode of Entourage or something. I'll have to check that for a later. Take Diaz. Well, I mean, act more, I think, is the clear sign here, right? Uh, dog, if I could act, life would be very different. I, I I have five different variations of doing the role of my life, which is Nate Diaz. So in every movie you see me in, if I'm a scientist, you know I'm fucking lying to you, dog. God, you should team up with Nick Cage. I think you two would have a lot a lot to explore. Look. Oh, shit. He's here too, dog. I didn't know that Nick Cage was going to show up to this party. Nick, what the fuck are you doing here? It's Nick and Nick. Nick and Nate. What? <laughs> like my brother. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, and this Yeah, dog. Like, I thought I was fucking high. This motherfucker just did three movies in the time we talked. So anyway, go on. No, I, it's always nice to have, have a friend stop by. I don't know how many small segment producers Raf is doing for early, late, not this week, but at least look for, for a few hot guest producers. I don't know if they'll be on. Nate, best fight in UFC history? Just off the top of your head, of your fights. Oh shit, dog! That's a great question because, like, I don't know if I even remember the ones that I didn't do against Connor. If I'm being honest, yeah, it is hard to track. I mean, I think you fought. Uh, I mean, remember when I fought GSP? No, I, I oh, don't. No, that was my brother. Shit. Oh, that's right. That was your brother. I was like, someone that looked like you fought it. But you know what? We'll look into it. We'll have you back. We'll do a whole IMDb and fight record when you and I have both. Maybe smoked a little less. Sounds uh, good, dog. Smoke Verbal weed every day. The number one and two fighter, Nate Diaz, on the list. Number three, as we bring Raph back on, Henderson yeah. versus Shogun Hua. Yeah. Now, n- not a bad fight, um, but I am already surprised we don't have a GSP Matt Hughes in this list. Like It just feels like if I'm talking about the top three, there's probably a GSP fight in there somewhere. If not, that time he just most recently came back and choked out Michael Bisping like a British bitch. What? Where about the Matt Sarah? Not on the top five list. Lawler McDonald, the second one, because they love those on these. And Edgar versus Maynard, the second one. Raph, are you prepared to defend any of the top five? No, I'm not. Uh, I think this list is very Fox. <laughs> Deal friendly, and my dog does too. Apparently, like, fuck that list. I think that my dog just did some edibles with Diaz over on the side here. Oh, <laughs> listen, okay, I'm gonna give her a, a fucking treat to calm this down in a second, but I want to make one thing clear, Kevin, which is it's a very fox friendly list, so, aka okay. most of these are fights that happened during the UFC Fox era. All right. Well, okay, and I get that, but their order still is a bullshit piece of god-awful. Because I get to number seven, Jones Gustafson, after I pass Chuck Liddell versus Anderson Silva. Or, uh, whoa, no. Different Silva, not Anderson, yeah. yes. Vanderlei. 
And yes. I expect to get murdered any second for making that small mistake. It's fine. And then Silva versus Sonnet, Hughes versus Trigg. Then we jump right up to Hunt versus Bigfoot. It's like I am losing <sighs> my mind. Yeah, these. they are also pretty decision heavy. If we're <laughs> for Griffin Bonner, arguably one of the greater fights. Hughes versus Penn too, arguably one of the greater fights. Lawler versus Condit. How do we get to number thirteen before we get a Condit fight? I hate everything about this list. I I, listen, I want to spoil something for the audience at home. I might have been responsible for Kevin's hot take on this. You and purposefully made me look at it. Well, no, that's kind of my job. So, no, it's not like anything that I did that's not normally in my description of, hey, Kevin, you might want to look at this. People are talking about it. So, no, it's not like I, I gave you a job description. No one was like, talking about this. <laughs> yeah, hey, with you. No, people, seriously, the nice part. When you put it on the amplifier of... Uh, the UFC on Fox. People are talking about it, but do they take it seriously is a different question, Kevin. No way. Not with the not with the just upfront blunder. And I just, I'm going to call that blatant unprofessionalism. You can't have the fight that just so clearly wasn't as good as the first one. That's why we haven't had a third one. Are you kidding? I think it's just interesting to see how much in the tank it is. I think they were also trying to go off of like the pay-per-view aspect of it, which is that, yeah, it's sold very well. It is a very iconic fight. But are we talking iconic like just for recognition? Because, yeah, it's one of the biggest recognized fights of all time. Does that make it one of the best fights of all time? Yeah. This is greatest fights. because uh, So greatest fights, and we're not going to throw in it, we don't get to Ronda Rousey until 22nd, and it's versus Carmouche, which is, again, bullshit. Everyone knows her best fights were against Misha Cupcake Tate, if you've been following the sport or conscious <laughs> at all. And, and think of it like this, though, Kev. The one that they're putting there is an iconic moment into itself because that was the first female fight in the UFC. So they're not above saying uh, the symbolicness of certain fights outweighs the actual technical precision of it which fine but if that's the case why aren't we ranking sarah versus gsp where's sarah versus gsp (laughs) because that motherfucking fight is one of those fights that you go definitely didn't call that and i'm pretty sure it's one of the greatest upsets in all of mixed martial arts period but they definitely have Quentin Rampage Jackson versus Griffin. Griffin owns the 12, and he's on a lot of these. That's a night list. Yeah. Not, not a bad list for him. Yeah. Do you remember that would... Swanson versus Choi matchup, right? Everyone talks about that being the greatest upset hey, in UFC history. Damn it. Why am I mad about real. this? It's a very, that was a very good fight. <clears throat> it's not to say that some of these aren't good fights. Just when you do any any listing or ranking, there are definitely moments where you might just say, oh, well, that's unfortunate. This one, you know, right up the top where you go, oh, are you kidding me? Like, Conor McGregor gets both spots with the same person. Anderson Silva's only on here for Sonnen, and it's like, I think he had a few moments maybe prior to that that are pretty important, but hey... More to come here at Jiu-Jitsu's favorite 
podcast this week because we have a massive jujitsu guest coming up. So if you tuned in for this crazy attack on the UFC, <laughs> and I assume you did, UFC and on Fox's. If you have opinions, throw them at us. Let us know what fights should have been on there. If you give us the top five and we think it's good, maybe we'll talk about it on the next show. I mean, if you've heard us before, we probably will talk about it on the next show. We're very responsive, especially when things get hot takes. And this list is just complete bullshit. I mean, feel free to check it out. Verbal Tap podcast. We have an exceptional guest. A guest, uh, frankly, better than the podcast. I mean, this is a, this is one of those situations where it's like we're just going to have to rise above it. Karen Peters on the show today. We are, of course, brought to you by your favorite underwear, jiu-jitsu, north-south jiu-jitsu underwear. I mean, I, I assume it's everyone else's favorite. It's my favorite, Raph. Better be. Better be. And north-south jiu-jitsu underwear doesn't just, they don't just help you move faster. They don't mm-hmm. just make you stronger. They don't just improve your jiu-jitsu game, though they do do all three of those things a lot okay. of times simultaneously. Okay. They also just look cool. So that's why I think you should ultimately, you know, you can show off in the mirror beforehand. You just feel confident. Say, I'm proud of my body. And North South Jiu Jitsu underwear. <laughs> Check it out. Wow. I, I got it. They wrote a memo about some of the ads. So I, I got to read it. I, I want to tell the you time. this right now. Just haven't had the time. This is definitely. I'm on an airplane right now, and the captain is lots of turbulence. That's what's going through my mind. There's a lot of bumpiness. I'm not sure we're going to land. I'm looking at all the other passengers, and we're all just kind of giving each other that nod of like, yeah, this might go down real quickly, guys. You're just trying to figure out, would God do this to all of us? <laughs> I kind of believe in him. But why? right now, I believe in her, him, all of them. Uh, what do I do? No, we're going to. We've got a lot to talk about, is my point, in terms of jiu-jitsu-wise, and uh, that's my segue past. Raph, I have to tell you, I received somewhat troubling news, and I would like to tell you on the podcast. That's what we call in the business Oh no, a teaser. I will follow up with a little bit. It is about my knee. It, this is about, uh, for those of you not maybe following my current injury trajectory, had another MRI. The reason I'm gonna I'm just gonna tease it to the end is because I believe the story is worth it on its own merit, but it definitely once again is not better than Karen. So we we're gonna skip past that. We're gonna get to Karen, jujitsu nerds, MMA fans, stories of cool stories, hard to find. Stick around. One of my favorite things about this show is when you get the opportunity to interview people who deserve some sort of recognition, or at least their movements deserve uh, the type of headlines that are normally registered for, what, anything Gary Tonin does? Like, Gary Tonin put an Instagram up that he thinks uh, this television show is interesting. That That's not important, people. Maybe there was and, another call-out. You never know. Sure. Whatever. Sure. You might have gone to lunch and somebody is accused somebody of steroids or somebody's going to have beef and there's going to be a fight somewhere. Listen, those are fun things on occasion. But when we really get a movement, one that we were so happy to see uh, go organically and become a groundswell, uh, it's one of those things that we want to bring in one of the people behind that. So just to fill you guys in, uh, 
there was a movement to create a Masters 2 through 7 division uh, for women. And it had been a, a occurring to some people that, <laughs> you know, it's just something that happens and that we should take it at, at base. But uh, there were a few people who said, no, let's try and make an earnest effort to make a division and Lo and behold, Kev, 160 competitors later, we are happy to bring on one of the spearheaded individuals who made sure that that movement continued on, Karen Peters. Karen, how are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Thanks. Thanks for having me on board this evening. Really appreciate the shout out for what we're doing. Uh, listen, you don't need to at all acknowledge anything we're doing. We want to acknowledge what you're doing because I need to do some math real quick. 160 competitors at IBJJF rates. Kev, can you do math real quick on that one? Oh, the audience knows I can. Mm. Uh, my Kansas education. Well, what you also see is the the kind of no shit factor that people like Karen exist that are crazy in this world. They want to compete at Pan Ams <laughs> at a high level. It does sound insane, and it is. But there's a chance, and it created some great fights. So, Karen, talk us through it as you're competing, because we kind of want to get the full narrative here, right? I think we're getting some good broad strokes, but that's the fun part about actually chatting with you. As you're competing, how are you dealing with the balance of like, oh, wow, I kind of created this, now I'm competing? Talk to us about those nerves a little bit specifically. Oh, <laughs> Wow, that um, that was something else. That uh, you know, what was going on around me, around my you know competition focus, was this incredible um, momentum and energy about uh, in terms of the women coming together uh, to compete for the first time in the Master Two through Seven divisions at the Pan Ams. And so, you know, I'd been online for. Um, approximately 27 days rallying the women, trying to get them focused and get them to the pans and to understand uh, that this was uh, potentially a very historic event that they could participate in and be a part of and move uh, women's jiu-jitsu, but also jiu-jitsu in general forward. And um, which felt like an enormous responsibility, but also a moral obligation. Um, and so I, you know, in my head, I was, you know, my, it was swirling. I, I, you know, in some ways I didn't deal with it very well because my competition sucked, but, um, but, you know, I just had to take it one step at a time and, and, Your you know, one conversation at a time did not suck. What's that? I, I'm calling to question on this. You competed, you were at a high level, you had some fun matches, you're, um, come out a little crazy on the belt pole. I wasn't sure if you were trying to judo throw. Uh, so look out if Karen's coming across, she's a charger is what I'm saying. Like there's no time to breathe and bump hands. She yeah, starts bobbing and weaving. <laughs> so yeah. great matches. So, so yeah, point. it was quite, I had to try to toggle switch back and forth, you know, and really stay present in the moment and just be where my feet were, uh, in order to really take in what was happening. Uh, I mean, it was just such a momentous, I mean, it was just incredible. It was an incredible experience and, and making all these connections and talking with these women and these coaches and, and people who I had connected with online, um, you know, was, was a big highlight. And 
Meanwhile, getting teammates ready to fight, you know, one of our gals on my team um, fought and it was the first time another woman on our team had actually competed. So, um, you know, there was a lot going on. There was a lot going on. So um, I just tried to do what was right in front of me, right in the moment and stay as uh, clear as possible. So I want you to to put a nice pin in that moment. We're going to return back to what it felt like that week. Uh, Kev, I can do math. And no 160 <laughs> competitors. Okay, and I'm ballparking here, okay? I might be a little off. Somebody might have gotten, like, the IBJJF discount. Like, somebody might know a cousin. They kind of sneak them in. But let's just say roughly those 160 competitors. And, Karen, you can tell me yes or no. Does that translate to about $20,000? Oh, you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> okay. I am apparently the only person who does math on the show right now. Okay. I'll give you a nice ballpark. I'm guessing, and I could be completely wrong here, you put $20,000 into the pocket of the IBJJF. Now, in retrospect, should you have demanded a cut? Now, I'm not saying it's not a pure <laughs> movement. I'm not saying... You know, it's not like, you know, ooh, but like you put time into this. And so, I mean, it'd be nice if they like gave you a little bit of a finder's fee. It happens in other things. So did you add the membership fees to that? Yep. I mean, again, I'm putting a soft number <laughs> because what I'm not including is the amount of travel, the amount of right. families that are coming in for this because families, mm -hmm. especially with uh, women who are going to not just come, they're going to bring their whole family with them. That's got to start racking up a lot of admissions, a lot of uh, people buying merchandise, people doing those sorts of things. Like these are more important figures that you build into the whole experience of pans and not just the competition element. So you essentially, and, and the 160 women who were part of this campaign put money into the IBJJF. So while they should be very well, you know, uh, appreciative that they, they got their shot to do it. You guys more than met the expectations, um, for that. So kudos to you, first of all. But when I say you should have a finder's fee, it goes into this. Tell me exactly how far back this movement starts for you. Well, it's, um, I believe it was, I was thinking about this the other day. I think it was like November-ish when um, my coach, Carlos Mello, mm -hmm. uh, asked me about going to the PANS and if I was going to the PANS. And... Um, I said there wasn't a division for me and it's a long story and that might not be the topic of what we're speaking of tonight, but, um, you know, about kind of the communication, um, about that issue, about the women's divisions, not existing other than at the master worlds for, you know, the two to seven divisions. Um, and so we just had a, you know, a moment of clarity, so to speak, both of us, um, in our communication around, the fact that there weren't any masters two through seven divisions uh, at the pans. And he said, well, you know, build, build a division and I'll write an email. I'll back you on this. Um, and nice you know, to have that kind of clout, women. by the way, I'm just, mm. that's a cool connect. A, Isn't that, that something? I mean, yeah, it, it's a, it was quite a moment because, you know, when we both came to, 
um, having the clarity on, on, on the issue, it was like lightning struck. And, um, and so, you know, I, I, I got to work. I mean, when your lead black belt, you know, puts out an offer like that, you get to work. And, um, so I gathered five, five women. So that, that was like in, I think November ish, uh, wrote an email and it was rejected. Um, you know, our, our, our request um, to add a master's five division for brown belt um, was rejected. And as soon as it was rejected, I just got fired up big time, got real fired up. And so did he, and it became a moral obligation to um, go forward in and doing something. And at the time we weren't quite sure what that something was going to be. And so we kind of sat on it and thought about it and talked about it. Um, and then it was Emily Kwok, who uh, suggested a, a petition. Um, so we figured out how to write a petition, got that together. And that was January 31st was when we launched the petition at about 6 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> and uh, it went viral overnight. It went viral overnight. So on February 1st, uh, it was about, again, 6 a.m. So about 24 hours later, a buddy of mine um, pinged me, you know, he uh, texted me and said, hey, take a look at the IBJJF website. And sure enough, they posted the divisions two through seven uh, for the master women. And uh, we're like, oh, my God, you know, it was such a it was <laughs> unbelievable. It was like we kept on just like, what, what? I mean, it was almost it was, um, it was so magical. It was almost unbelievable. Yeah. Um, Here's here's where I kind of want to uh, like put in a little a little disclaimer because we there are a lot of things you can give the IBJJF shit about and and believe me we have <laughs> we that's do. our job here still, we, we'll we do it quite constantly won't be stopping but sure. I do have a, a high regard of appreciation for this because in some areas you would think some places may not be flexible and and you might think you're out and I mean. Part of the reason why the surprise is so real for you guys is I'm sure there is a large feeling of that can't happen. I mean, I'm sure it'd be nice if it could happen. Maybe they'll give us uh, like something where they'll combine or they'll do something exactly. else. Right. But but right. not in the outright way of, oh, oh, OK, now it's happening. Oh, well, yeah, now we've got to do something right, because now once you've put it out there and that they've accepted those terms, then it becomes a, well, now you better deliver, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you know, registration was going to close in 26 days. <laughs> and, you know, people spend a year getting ready for the PANS, making their arrangements, training, focusing, you know, and we had 26 days. Um, <laughs> so it's... Uh, <laughs> the panic set in, you know, it's like, well, will they take away the divisions if we don't show up? Will they say, see, there's not enough interest. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was overwhelming from going from like, wow, I can't believe this happened. It's magical to, oh shit. Now what? <laughs> How are we going to do this? You know? Yeah. And it just felt like, you know, it, it, it just became daunting. And um, so I went to town online you know, is what happened. And, and, you know, in that first week, I, you know, I'm not very social media savvy at all. Um, and like, I learned how to, you know, do posts and share posts and pin posts, <laughs> you know, trying to get, trying to get some momentum going and trying to just raise the awareness that this had happened. 
and uh, what was before us in order to be able to, you know, claim our, our, our time on the mat for competition. So, yeah, it was, it was overwhelming. So we had 26 days to answer your question, uh, kind of uh, the time frame. Okay. All right. This is like chapter one on a huge mm-hmm. emotional roller coaster. So it goes from yeah, the, l- little yeah. dejection to massive emotional right. swell to tangible success, which is like, wait, wh- hold on. The world's working in some ways the way it's designed. If we were, yeah, you know, uh, you know, I've, I've never speedballed, but I, but I assumed that it was kind of like that emotionally, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure that this because is the part we're going to clip and send to the IBJJF world. right now. So just to make sure if you, you're tuning in from the IBJJF and you just heard that part, it's a little out of context, but in the whole it works. So just know that much. I just I, I want to make sure, though, that as we say this, Karen, you said something. Um, our good friend Ed uh, put us in touch and Ed uh, runs Old Man Jiu-Jitsu podcast. Um but there was something that you said on there that I think probably resonated with that audience that I think it's important that maybe our audience should also hear. But you said something that might have not uh, been significant to anybody else, but it crushed me when I heard it. And you talked about your years of martial arts and how it felt like when you would found this love and that jujitsu was in your bones it, it's something that you feel in the same way that I hear from so many of the competitors that we interview on this show, where you say there's something about it and you can't explain it, but you know it's in your soul. So on that space, we know, even though we don't know each other, we know there's a connective tissue there. But the thing that you said that crushed me was when you would see your teammates go and compete and that you would stay to keep the academy open because you knew that there wouldn't be people who were around your age. And as a result, you said that you didn't feel that there was a place for you. And to me, it's one of those statements that I don't think people who have uh, any kind of comprehension of, oh, well, my division, I mean, whatever, it's always going to be around. There are so many people who don't understand what it's like to not have that division. And more importantly, to face someone half their age. Listen, I have people who I I roll with who are maybe about 10 years younger than me. And I come up with every excuse in the world as to why that's difficult. But I'm also not competing on a, a level where you want to be tested at a competition like this. But when you said that you didn't feel a part of it, I know you're not the only one. So can you kind of explain... If that was something that you were seeing as you were starting to motivate and and basically get that groundswell of people who were who were coming in for this, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that was part of the the energy behind it was you know on Facebook, we literally built a women's jiu jitsu you know master women's jiu jitsu community that really bonded around feeling disenfranchised and not a part of the greater BJJ community. Um, And really seizing, you know, that this was the time, this was our opportunity to claim our rightful place on on the competition mat. And, um, and, and in doing that, there were, 
I mean, there was incredible bonding going on, believe it or not. I mean, there's women who, who are going to compete against each other, and some of them had competed against each other in past competitions, but everybody had put down that particular aspect of um, what was going on to come together to actually build a team um, to make this thing happen, which meant, you know, raising money. Uh, a lot of people didn't have the funds, late notice, um, making travel arrangements. People donated air mile, miles. People donated their professional um, <clears throat> services in order to help out to rally the forces of the women to get them here for the PANS. Because I think what you just identified it, I mean, I think that, that we realized that, wow, you know, um, A, there's a large number of us. There's over uh, 500 people in that particular group. Um, and people started speaking up about, you know, how they always had wanted to compete, but didn't have a place to compete where, where it felt safe, you know, because they had to go against women who were much, much younger or that they had competed in the past and had gotten injured, um, mm. you know, quite, quite significantly and felt like, you know, they just couldn't put themselves at risk like that anymore and yet really yearned to compete. So, um, yeah, there was a community that was built on the spirit of, you know, and the love for jujitsu, but also knowing that this was our opportunity if we were going to actually um, claim it and be able to keep it and maintain it, that this was it. And so there was a pressure, uh, a time crunch, um, but then there was incredible inspiration and encouragement that, that came from one another that was just, it was tremendous. Now, Kev, uh, she had already kind of signpost the idea that, you know, Facebook's not really her thing. Right? Social media isn't really her thing. <laughs> what a day but, to give like a positive Facebook story too, by the way. It's a real... Right, no it's kidding. Like, it's, it's timing-wise with political events. Jesus, Kevin. <laughs> I mean, it's good, I think. I, well, we're about to get into a good story about Facebook, and it's probably the only one being told right now. And chapter two of this, when we do our 30 for 30 jujitsu style, which I think this is like candidate two or three in the top, we got to do them immediately. Um, this is where it gets really unbelievable. Like the community immediately doing what you thought they would, which is where you provide an opportunity. It's like, absolutely. Yeah, let's roll. And people gathered around the fighters, all of the crazy women that wanted to go fight each other in this combative place. And Pan Am's is a, like the master's divisions. These massive tournaments are extremely important. And people train. Keep in mind, as they're doing that, now they're using Facebook, these groups, to basically talk to their opponents. And and one of the nice things was um, I have to give a shout out to um, uh, a training partner of mine. Uh, uh, Pam, who trains with me, you know, it's so great when you hear these things and you know this movement's going on. And Pam's telling me the inner workings of it. She's like, you know, I wasn't planning to do it at all. I wasn't on my radar, but I feel right. I have to. And I, I, I once right. she said that, I, it was so great that you could see it. And it's, it's different when you cover events and you, you, you see these individuals and you're covering them. But when it hits your own home gym and you're like, this is the coolest shit ever that I have – uh, somebody here who's going to take that state and who's going to be part of that movement. It makes that feel that grassroots uh, so nice that it, it you can 
it permeates everywhere. But the thing that she was telling me was, and I didn't know this at the time, was that you guys had essentially weaponized Facebook and you guys were having people who were talking to each other. And that's where the Facebook miles, uh, you know, uh, I need help here right. or, hey, my division's right. a little bit stagnant. Can somebody come up on it? Because yes, you would hit your deadline, mm -hmm. you were able to now yeah. use that as a tool. So uh, what were some of the things that were coming from there? Because I only caught it toward the tail end of it, and I was flabbergasted at just how amazing it was to, to see the stories unfolding mm -hmm. before my eyes there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's um... – State your question again. What 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 part of that did you want me to zero in on? So I just wanted to know. So I, to it. Absolutely. I wanted to know what it was like throughout because when did you start the Facebook group and what came of it? Because I only caught the tail end of it. So I, I just literally yeah. saw people saying like, hey, I need to drop this weight. And I was like, oh, wait, right. they're using this. This has been going on for right. way far longer than I'm aware of. Yeah, well, it started, I, I, I think I started it on, um, I think we got the divisions on the first, I think I started it on the fourth or the fifth. Mm. And um, I mean, you know, I opened up the group and, you know, at first it was just getting them, everybody to understand what we were facing, because you have to remember that so many of these women, uh, you know, master women have, don't pay attention to competition opportunities because they weren't available. So yeah. we had to, I had to try to try to get everybody up to speed as to what this actually meant. And so there were a number of fighters, of course, who, who understood that, but there was a whole untapped population of master women who needed to come up to speed pretty quick because we needed their, them there in their registration. Um, so, so it started with my just trying to, really inform people and make them aware of what was going on. So I started in different groups and then finally opened up this particular group. And as soon as they got dialed into it, it was like, I don't know, it was like a fire was lit. As soon as they got dialed into, oh my gosh, you know, this is a issue of fairness and equality for, for our future in, in jiu-jitsu. And it's also not about us. It's about the younger women in jiu-jitsu and it's about our girls in jiu-jitsu. And mm -hmm. by the way, it's about our jiu-jitsu community too. Mm -hmm. And really moving this thing, this whole thing forward. And so, so there was an energy that just um, kept on growing and growing and growing and growing. And, um, you know, it was magical. I mean, it's, that part was incredible. I mean, between the petition and then the energy behind that, it just um, it was overwhelming because the numbers in the group kept on rising. And then people started getting creative, like somebody donated their air miles because people were saying, it's great. This is wonderful, but I can't get there. It's late notice. And, you know, it's, uh, I haven't saved for this. And this is something I would normally would have to put money aside for. And I would love to fight, but I can't make it. And so we started, I started taking polls to see how many people actually <laughs> would come if they were financially funded for it, uh, how many people would register even though they couldn't come. And I just tried to sort it out a little bit to see what the interest was and what the needs were in order to make this thing happen. And, um, and in doing that, uh, people started stepping forward. And uh, it was like, you know, one person just passed the baton to the next to the next to the next to the next and it was just this this growing momentum that just seemed like it had no end and and I think everybody just got so excited about what was happening um the phenomena itself was was contagious 
and so exciting. And so we just couldn't stop. And at one point I was so overwhelmed. I was like, I need help. And when I said, <laughs> I need help, people started, started stepping up and somebody, a civil engineer, uh, stepped up and said, Hey, I can make a resource page. And she put together this most beautiful piece of work ever with it within 24 hours of matching, uh, what people needed with what people could offer, uh, to all the, you know, all the different, um, you know, like even how to how to register on the IBJJF mm. webpage, right? Like how do you even register for a competition if you've never been? And what is this membership thing? And I, what, I'm a blue belt. Do, do I need to get a membership? I mean, <laughs> we're talking at that level of information being exchanged um, and people organizing themselves to to get get everybody here. It became this huge mission to get as many women possible on those mats for the Pan Ams. I... Across this, can I ask at least one side question? Was there ever a point where someone with like a really tough looking photo was like, hey, I need an opponent and no <laughs> one responded? <laughs> no, you know what happened? It was come one, come all, whether you're injured, uh, whether you're in shape or not, uh, whether you do this all the time, everybody show up and we're going to make it work for everyone because it's that important. We have a bigger fight to fight here awesome. and everybody stepped up. So we had people saying, Hey, that's, you know, no toe holds, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, or, Hey, you know, I think I can drop five pounds in the next you know, week. Well, how about you? I mean, we've, yeah. you know, the cooperation, and the collaboration and the working uh, together to make it happen was amazing. So we collapsed the divisions because we had people originally uh, register for where they would naturally be, you know, for their age and their weight. And then uh, we took headcounts of that. And then we started collapsing divisions so that people would have fights. And we organized ourselves within each of the divisions. Yeah, that's why it worked, by the way. Had IBJJF done a bulk of the organizing, things would have taken a sharp right. Yeah. So let's put yes. an asterisk next to you're clearly, you have a knack for this tournament-wise too, So and leadership-wise, which is an interesting part of this entire factor. Did you feel that as you're finishing the intensity of fighting and you're able to kind of be more reflective, did you get hit with that? Like sense of, oh, wow, people are empowered by this. There's a leadership element. Um, how does the emotional appeal hit you right after all that? Well, it's, it, just, it just feels like, again, it feels like a huge obligation, you know? I mean, I feel like you know, I've been blessed to have some skills to build community, and that, that's wonderful. Um, and I do it professionally, and then here I am in a whole different arena in my life, and able to contribute something that's much, much bigger than I am and much, much um, more involved in terms of, you know, people coming together to make this happen. It wasn't just about me, you know, but I have something to offer here. And, you know, I feel like it's my obligation. I know Carlos does too, very much so that we both feel an incredible responsibility uh, for keeping this going because, you know, the experience that weekend with these women who were finally able to compete, many of them for the very first time in their BJJ careers, and to be a part of something else that, you know, part of BJJ in a way that many people already feel a part of, but we haven't felt a part of, and to watch them cross that threshold into 
a whole new dimension of their BJJ career, we got to keep that going. You know, competition is a really big part. It's not for everybody, but it's a really big part of growth and development in BJJ. And to watch these women finally have the opportunity to do that and to be a part of the community and a part of their own art in this way for the first time, we got to keep that going, you know? And um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I feel obligated. I feel responsible. You know, I'm just one cog in the wheel, but I've got something to offer. And uh, it's part of my jiu-jitsu practice. This is part of jiu-jitsu is serving and giving back and promoting the art and being a part of a community and that works towards fairness and equality and accessibility, you know, and um, here I am. And so, you know, there's, there's the next chapter, you know, Carlos and I've been talking a lot about what that looks like and what do we need to do to continue this momentum and this movement. Um, You know, we're looking at starting a nonprofit, um, that's in motion right now, so we can get some uh, funding, the same kind of funding that people needed to get to the pan, so we can keep that going and have some sponsorship, and keep on knocking on the IBJJF's door in terms of offering uh, the divisions and other competitions, and then also, you know, outside the IBJJF, uh, making available, um, you know, competitions for master women, uh, so they can be a part of their art in this way uh, that a lot of people have access to, but they haven't had. And so in some ways, disenfranchised. So, so really, um, yeah. So the answer is for why people should, uh, pay attention to Karen is even as she finishes, she starts to bask in glory. She's just like, all right, how did, what's next? Let's fix, uh, well, let's fix that. Rumor has it. Uh, you just like lifted up a car as you walked out. That's just what I heard that, uh, put a car above her head through it and said, victory, on to what's next. And you're already hinting at that. How can people get involved if they want to start being a part of keeping the momentum going? Well, that's, that's, we're, we're kind of in the process of that. Again, you know, we're looking at this nonprofit and figuring out how to promote that so we can get more people involved. You know, I, I, I've got more work obviously to do on Facebook to keep this community together and keep it going. We got the master world coming up here pretty quick. And, you know, I'm already seeing and hearing from folks how they're looking forward to that now. So, you know, there's, awesome. there's, I think, another upswell, uh, another wave coming um, in terms of getting ready for the master worlds, which is really just around the corner. So, uh, you know, when you think about how competition helps people develop their jujitsu, I mean, it really, you know, it shapes your training day in and day out when you know you're going to compete. So I know a lot of those women already who have never competed before are now looking at the Master Worlds. And I bet you there are women out there tonight training, tonight, with their eye on the Master Worlds. Um, So when you think about that, that's pretty tremendous. So, yeah, there's work to do in terms of just keeping this mobile and keeping it progressive and um, building the awareness. I think that there's... You know, I think a lot of younger women just assume that the divisions are going to be there for them. I think there's more awareness to build with the younger women, obviously more awareness to build with the guys. Um, yeah, there's there's work to do. I have to ask this because I was so intrigued. I didn't get the chance to cover it uh, in person this year, but I want to know from someone who was able to witness it, are there a couple, like, Things that you saw or, or stories or moments that stuck out to you in particular 
that you were able to see on on the ground level of it or even just with people interacting yeah i mean there were a couple really big highlights one was um the master six division um there is a, a woman by the name of brenda king who um had never competed in bjj before and came out for this um and as a mixed martial artist has you know career in other arts and this was her first competition and to see her step on the mat and have the experience have the fight and step off the look on her face was priceless <laughs> it was just priceless and it was just one of those snapshots one of those little glimpses of of something that you think perhaps is a moment in time that just changed a person's life, you know? That's pretty badass. And, and, and without even knowing her, I know what BJJ means to her and to see that look on her face. Hmm. And she's all fired up now. She's, she's getting, you know, she's rallying her women in her gym to get ready for the master worlds and she can't go. She's not going to be there that week, but you know, she's spreading the word too. And she's spreading the energy also to the women in her Academy and the women around her. And, um, it's like, wow, cool stuff. I love the fact that, you know, I, I mean, we joke about it, but on a very real level, uh, you are part of a, a movement and there were a lot of pe- people who were able to come through, like uh, having somebody who could organize uh, with you, like being able, I wish I could tell someone to organize stuff for me and be like, Hey, uh, we're trying to get people together. Could you go ahead and make like a spreadsheet that, Oh, you already did. You made a whole computer system for, Oh, well, thank you. Cool. Uh, but a lot of what you were describing was essentially a second job and, I think that's the part that might get a little lost is, uh, you know, I think there's a, a great deal of appreciation to you and, and to Carlos and to a lot of the people who want this movement to continue moving on. Um, and when I joke about it, I'm, I mean, I'm, I was even going to suggest based off of those numbers, you guys were your own tournament. So it's not out of the realm right. of possibility when you say you're like, the right. IBJJF's cool. But think about it on a level where people are saying, you know, hey, we would be willing to do a competition of, of just that. That's not even a master's IBJF. You you guys could have your own thing that could be even more affordable for those individuals who maybe exactly. don't even have the money to compete at that level. So that, that, that was a fascinating thing uh, to, to hear, and I, I commend you for that. Um, but I do want to ask this because I feel it's very important to make sure that we highlight it. Apathy is a real motherfucker in any world, <laughs> but specifically in jujitsu where you kind of start to take things for granted. What is it that people need to do specifically? Either be it guys, girls, women, men uh, to continue a- and make this movement happen because there might be a fallacy that only women can make this movement happen. Yeah, and thank you for bringing that up because that is key. Carlson and I talk a lot about this. It's a, it's a hot topic between us. Um, and that topic is one of, um, you know, that he and I did this together. And, you know, a woman didn't do it and a man didn't do it, but a man and a woman did it together. And 
and that is key to this whole thing because it really requires communication and coming together around just moving jujitsu forward and coming together in a way that, you know, there's a common interest and that is the love of the art. And, um, it's, you know, it's for some people, it's kind of, it's interesting when I say, well, do you realize that a man spearheaded this? And it's like, they don't even want to talk about that aspect of it (laughs) because it's, it's almost as if, well, you know, if a man spearheaded it, then, you know, women, you know, don't want to be perceived as needing a guy to help spearhead something. And then men don't want to perceive their help or they don't perceive their help as being necessary or wanted, or maybe they don't even identify that their help is needed. You know what I mean? And um, so that's been an interesting aspect of this. So one thing that people can do is start talking about it, just start talking about, you know, older women training and what they need in order to be supported to do that. I think that's key. Um, and, and competition and getting ready and, and, you know, thinking of the older woman as a viable candidate for competition. I think that's, that's, that's super key. And I think for a long time now, uh, older women have just, you know, just kind of been a part of the gym, perhaps, um, if they stick, um, but not really seen as competition material. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's dope. And I'll, I'll put this out there. I would love to see more and more individuals who are uh, looking to compete, organizing like groups together, like not just on Facebook, but training groups specifically for this. Because one of the things I see for people who do compete is when you have a community behind you, uh, you do amazing things. And exactly. I know one of the things I see for the women's open mats are when they show up, they show up like it is it is impressive. So they they are super organized. Uh, it is my hope. And I, I'm very ignorant on a number of issues for this. But it is my hope that more and more people maybe start to identify those communities, maybe to to help train each other and, and cross a little bit of the boundaries because I, I just think what you guys did and, and Kevin and I, when we heard this, you know, there's a lot of good things that you can get excited about. You know, Leandro Lowe, you know, he's going to be amazing. You know, Keenan's going to put on great matches. But for me, I think this made this year's particular uh, pans far more interesting and significant. So kudos to you and, and, and every, you know, female male who endorsed this and, and continues to push this forward because I think it's it's so great. And I I, I want to make it so that uh, people when they listen to a podcast or they they hear people like you who have it in their bones, they don't say something where they just feel like there's not a place for them because we we talk big about it, equality and and wanting to have everybody have a place for that. But I think it's it's way more real to actually do it and it's hard work but it's worth it yeah it's, it really is and, and when we were one of the other highlights was just listening to the guys especially the coaches you know the black belt men who have women who had women there competing um talk about what it meant to them to have their older female competitors able to compete and how they also weren't aware that the divisions weren't available to them and you know, so there was just this incredible opening, I think, and um, 
and we just need to keep those conversations going and that awareness and create that space for women to train and get ready for competition. Karen, you're a badass. Um, in addition to this, but obviously just seeing who you're a brown belt under, we have a lot that that we are going to cover, and I have a, a strong inclination we're gonna have to bring Karen back. One, because in this is the rare event we haven't even gotten a chance to like deep dive into your jujitsu game or, or where it started, uh, which is a great cliffhanger to the Karen Peters story, as it would appear. But we're going to be tracking and, and following you as this goes on, and we're we're big fans here at Verbal Tap, and we'll continue to at least spread the gospel uh, in our limited ways as we can. Any shout-outs we can give, because the other backstory is that Karen stayed up really late in her normal day to do this podcast <laughs> with us. We feel so bad. She made a few comments about, like, well, what about 6 a.m.? And it was like, oh, wow. Raph and I were trying to imagine not either being morning people, the world. And it was like, maybe. <laughs> so we really appreciate you, but we, we can't keep you here all night. We do have to let you return to bed at some juncture. Uh, Karen, where can people keep up with you in the meantime if they want to see anything gym-wise or come train with you? I know maybe Gilroy Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, I'm at GilroyBJJ.com. Want to get your ass beat by a community builder? Head on over to (laughs) Gilroy Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Karen, thank you so much for swinging by the podcast this evening. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it so much. Ref, kudos on the fantastic. Uh, we're gonna have to talk to her again. Cause I'm also curious, jujitsu game wise, kind of see a few matches. But um, scouting report out is my point because I feel like there's some training in our future. Yeah, definitely. And here's what happened to me. This afternoon. Okay, yeah, because you teased it, and so if you guys did not come for the wonderful, heartwarming <sighs> story about female grapplers, and instead we're coming to tune in to find out the latest on As Kevin's Knee Turns, we resume our normal programming now. So, they called me today, they being Kaiser... Mm. I got an MRI Tuesday morning after seeing a doctor on Thursday. Told her about me. Told her about my left knee. That I had meniscus repair or surgery. And that it was hurting. Using the words, I think I might have like, thrown the stitches. This was my exact. I was like, I have no way of knowing. I'm just telling you what it feels like. Uh, chapter two. The call today. <laughs> just a quick. Hi, Mr. Phillips, can you please fax over your surgery report from your last surgery? We want to compare it. It's like, okay, compare it. Okay. Why? Wait, what's wrong with my meniscus? Cause I haven't talked to anyone. Like no one's told me they've seen the results of the MRI. She's like, Oh, uh, I just, we just need to see it for, I was like, well, obviously it's not something else. They wouldn't need to see my meniscal repair. If it was say my ACL was torn or something. Or a sprain, so you saw something. I was like, is my meniscus torn? And I got hit with this. Uh, Let me go check. 
<laughs> puts me on hold okay. for no shit a clean five minutes. I am on okay. hold waiting to hear because they, I guess, put the cart before the horse. Be like, ah, he knew. <laughs> And just wanted to know. She was like, they want to compare meniscal tears. And she came back and I was like, why? Uh, They can't tell if it's a fresh tear or if it's because of the surgery. So they need to kind of see it. It was like, okay, so I guess it's torn. And she was like, I mean, I guess. I I can't. I I don't have the full thing. It was like, the full thing? (laughs) She's like, I I mean, I don't. I mean, I can't tell you. The the surgeon will call. I was like, great. Thank you. This was a fun afternoon to get. So, oh, by the way, you can't just call and have your medical records faxed. You have to submit a form via fax that they then have to hopefully get faxed over expeditiously. That's how the process works. Because you also have your fax machine handy, as yeah. every red-blooded American does, where you're like, yeah, let me just go get my files, and I'll call you on my facsimile, and then when that happens, uh, I'll talk to you from 1997 where that technology should exist. That's what a fucking screenshot's for. Email. Anything else. In An fact, I'll just send form. you a picture of my knee. That Really, at this <laughs> Not, point, that's I, it. That's what you should need. I love the excuses. Well, it's like, why do I have to send it? It's like, because we can't take like an online form. It's like, yeah, I mean, that would be ridiculous. Yeah. Because a lot of people are going to fake that they need you to diagnose their fucking MRI. (laughs) Have you – okay. And it's hard. Again, we just talked with Karen about this very important fact, which is sometimes you're so deep in it that you don't know how to take yourself out of it. So let me present a theory and then let me get some feedback. That's what the show is all about, Kevin. Yeah. So my theory is have you ever considered that you're essentially the Jason Bourne of your – own story and the thing you're not supposed to know is about your own health and the closer you get to the truth the more that they go he's he's he knows too much i i think i might have let him know about his knee you know you can't let him know about his knee the more he knows about his knee the less money we make off of him i i know i i messed up when he said why do you need that i just said uh uh, I can't disclose that information to you. Which probably felt weird when asking about critical details. If I could interject in the scene. Okay, well, let's let's be fair now, Kevin. I think that's a perfectly reasonable thing to do on this podcast. So if I sent you, per se, maybe the, I don't know, the UFC list of greatest 25 fights of all time, you could 100% be like, uh, why do you need to know that? What's your uh, interest in my opinion? What's your interest in um, Did you, uh, sure. I mean, could you fax that list to me? I, well, first of all, could you fax it a request for the list? I need you to fax <laughs> that to a separate fax location. <laughs> then you... What, I fax me all of your requests? <laughs> You know what? Fuck social media. Fuck every technological <laughs> advancement we have. I'm just having I'll a day. from here on out for memes uh, when we go back and forth. If we ever proofread or do any sort of collaboration on memes, I'm just going to fax it to you. <laughs> and that's the way we do it. Don't worry. I'm going to buy a fucking fax machine any minute for the amount of faxing I have to do. 
And Victoria asked the question. She was like, does it cost money to request your report? I was like, of course it does. <laughs> it's like, just without question. Yes. So can't wait. Everybody <laughs> stay tuned for the next uh, update, which I hope is from a medical professional and not someone making their four o'clock calls. Hey, America, by the way, fun fact. Every day, Republicans in this country wake up and say it should be this complicated. This is where we got to universalize it, just so everybody's using the same servers. And I, it's a bad day to probably. Yeah, not, not the time, Kevin. We have but, bit yeah. protection, not the coin stuff. Just the thing that keeps it doesn't matter. Look, that's going to do it for us tonight. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sure it is. If I'm being honest, it's like there have been hints at this podcast at every turn that kevin has wanted to steer this podcast in an entirely different direction than we normally take it uh kudos to him he is expressing his right to freedom of speech and i endorse that kevin because a healthy kevin is a healthy podcast or some bullshit thing that tom de blast hasn't put out there yet but he will give him time he will um what Kevin, can we – I want to end this on more of a hopeful note before we get to shout-outs. Let's we talk about one something. one day get to universal health care. Cerner's got a solution. You know, Maybe the private market sure. will fix it. But let's all start using the same servers. There we go, Raph. That everyone can agree. Let's share. Absolutely. 100%. And, and could it be as easy as maybe they contact each other and say like, hey, <laughs> the record's on K. Phillips. Can you give them to me? I That'd honestly – I, there was an option for physician, so I know they call each other. <laughs> That's where I was just like, use your doctor bank. I don't know. I didn't ask to be forced on to <laughs> surgery. Like, uh, this, use your Facebook for doctors. This Kaiser thing. It was like my company changed. That was a force. It's like two years later. Hey, can you go get the reports? Like, yeah, I can. I also could have started on Thursday when I mentioned that little nugget <laughs> that I well, threw it would be really good if you can do that at your job when you're like um it's really not my department to call somebody else who doesn't work at my job so yikes <laughs> let me know how that goes i know you need your service have them send me a fax call somebody would, else That's, uh, uh here's the the hopeful message because i think it's a time that we reveal to the audience we of course love our good friends at north south jitsu and we're happy to say that they will be continuing to sponsor the podcast for the very foreseeable future so look for that for the next few months um we very much enjoy their business, and I know that you guys enjoy their products. But, Kev, I think since we need to bring it on an upper. Not a downer. Before we get to the yeah, well, let's not be a downer. Uh, the upper being this, Kev. We have a new sponsor on this show. What? Yes, we do. I, I, I like that I barreled ahead as if you were giving me some opposition. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, Don't tell uh, me no. Shut up, Kevin. This isn't <laughs> like your doctor situation. This is real. Uh, so everything just signed today. It literally went through. So we are happy to announce Proven Nutrition, one of the uh, best ways of keeping yourself healthy and a great supplement for those who are in the ajujits. It's based out of San Diego. We're going to have more to talk about as the months and years go by, but we are happy to welcome them to the podcast. And you know what, listeners? We're happy that you get to hear us do lots of crash landing sponsor copyright things like Kevin being like, hey, do you look in the mirror and say, hey, I'm pretty? 
or my indictment do you do of the Republican Party before this one. <laughs> like, there's just so hey. many ill-timed moments. Like, well, I probably would have timed it differently. To be Rochelle fair, though, <laughs> they know what they're signing up for at this point. We're not a new podcast. It's pretty well established what you're getting into. And we couldn't be happier that they're getting into business with us. So thank you very much, Proven Nutrition. We'll have more to talk about on that. But, Kev, awesome let's do shout-outs. So Proven Nutrition, go check out what's more to come and get mesmerized. And just don't stare directly at the guy that runs this thing. That's my oh, only. I mean, you will get lost. Richie, Richie is a, a, a very good human being. But we did have conditions Looking? on our t- <laughs> You know what's funny is that Richie, he's like that kind of person that I say, you don't need jiu-jitsu. You're in good enough shape. When you're in good enough shape, you don't have to worry about the things. And he's just like, no, brother, it's a pleasure. I'm honored to be around you. And it's like, no, you're not. Stop that. Um, quality human being. Quality product. All right, Kev. Let's do shout outs. Uh, should I start this week? Yeah, I'm not in a shouty outy sort of mood. <laughs> We've got to give you the few minutes. You know what it is? This is your standing 10 count. So you you do your thing. I'll go through this. Uh, let's start on over with Valley Martial Arts Center. Baymark. Get my man Casey ready for competition. They have morning classes, in case you guys didn't notice, at Valley Martial Arts Center, 6 to 9 a.m., you can drop in, get some training there. You can also go at our normal hours as well, uh, even in the the night. But my good friend Casey is getting ready to go compete. And uh, we have a phrase that I like to say, rounds on rounds. So uh, every time I see him, I'm like, are we doing rounds on rounds? And he's like, fuck, yeah, all right. Uh, but it's our way of helping to get him ready. Also, a big shout out to our good friend John Combs, who uh, stopped by the Los Angeles Jiu-Jitsu Club this week in route to a super fight against Enrico Coco. Now, fans of the show may recognize Enrico Coco, the very uh, nice, great competitor. Uh, Bit of a Joey beater, isn't he? Uh, I mean, I can't tell if that endears me to him more or if it makes <laughs> me like not like him. Uh, but now he's got a match with Johnny Combs, who's a near and dear friend of our show. So uh, we look forward to that. That's going to be a hot fire match. Look for that at Fight to win uh, over next week. I also want to give shout outs to everybody there. You know, training happens at the LA Jiu-Jitsu Club, 8 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Tuesdays and Thursdays. Update, 11.30. And uh, they're getting a nice crew going over there. And I also want to send a big shout out to our crew who is going over to the bullpen submissions uh, tournament that's going on over in Arizona. So in Tuscan, Arizona, if you guys are out that way, go support them. Uh, I know that they're going to bring some great competitors out that way. So enjoy the wall free trip. <laughs> God damn it, Kevin. I, I, you know what? I've never done this, but I'm halfway tempted to take away your shout outs. That's right. No, I'm, I'm, so t- I'm good. All right. You know, shout outs are not a right. They're a privilege, Kevin. I'm referencing the person that said they should build a wall between California and Arizona. I, I know exactly I what you're a talking Californian about. I'm completely in favor of. Not a Californian. I know. Yep, yep. Again, not the show, Kevin. I'm just going to barrel this through. All right. <laughs> I want to go ahead and shout out uh, my good friend Mike Stallings. If you guys haven't been keeping up, uh, a new episode of Heel Section just dropped this week. And uh, Mike and I are going to make an appearance at PWG. That's Pro Wrestling Gorilla. It is the 
ticket to be at. And our good friend Douglas James makes his debut on that stage. Douglas James, uh, a former Kevin MMA fighter and Jiu-Jitsu 10th Planet Purple Belt, uh, is making a big debut for maybe one of the best things going on in wrestling, period. And he's doing that with uh, some of his homies uh, from Santino Brothers, one of whom is a good friend of ours as well, Jake Atlas. So I cannot wait to go boo him from the stands. And I think... Mm, yeah, I think that should do it for me. If I forgot you, it's been a long week, so you know who you are. Deuce. Raph, I just want to shout out humanity. I'm just blown oh. away by the positivity. <laughs> right now. Everyone's like, Kevin's going through it. It's like, I can't trade again. I don't even know. Like, the good luck Chuck of getting knee surgery. So fucked. Uh, anyway. I big like massive shout outs uh, to you, sir, for bringing on an awesome guest to lift the spirits. Though her story is just it's an awesome, fun podcast day. I, I'm glad. Thank you to the UFC for releasing that dumb list on Fox or FS, whoever did. <laughs> Thanks to all that. I mean, that was helpful. I mean, it was just therapeutic to get it out. I feel like a new man. I'm ready to go. Maybe order dinner. I don't know. I'll use one of those Dine Dash apps. We'll see. We'll see what's going on. Raph, that's going to do it for me. That's going to do it for us tonight here at Verbal Tap. I'm Kevin. Thank you for listening. Good night and good night. The number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is, please note, the new number is,